this morning, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And so as we take a look at this text of Scripture, uh, Brother Doug, I'm going to be preaching on this morning how we can't just uh, go to church and sit back and be quiet. Amen. We, we, we've got to be doing something. Amen. <laughs> and I know y'all are always doing something. There, there, there's never a time that uh, uh, y'all have an idle moment, but we do need those uh, from time to time. Uh, but as we look at this text of Scripture, as we continue to look at the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians, here it is, uh, as we looked at last week, the Apostle Paul was... Uh, he, he was defending his integrity, and so as he was defending his integrity, he was uh, t telling the, the church that, uh, of how he walked, but he said, as you know. He said that, in fact, six times in chapter 2, he says, as you know, and so as you look at that, they knew how he walked because they walked with him, and they understood uh, that he was truly a man of integrity, and then you go on and you continue in chapter 2, and he said, you know, you're walking that same way. Uh, you're walking that same path and praise God for that. Well, how exactly did he know that they were walking that same way, walking in that same patterns, walking uh, with integrity? Because he sent somebody to them, as we're going to see here in chapter 2, to check up on them and minister to them and to see exactly how they were doing. And so that's what we find here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Uh, we find here, and the Bible says, Therefore we, would not, we, uh, we could not endure it any longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by the afflictions, for you yourself know that you have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer afflictions, and so it came to pass as you know, for this reason, when I can endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and your labor would be in vain. Father God, I come to you right now and I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, that you would just continue to be with us during this time of worship. And Lord, as I preach your word, that you'd give me the words and the wisdom that you'd have me to speak and allow everything that I say, Lord, to be said and done uh, in accordance to your will. Give us ears to hear. Give us uh, hearts to receive. Give us the willingness to walk out the things in which you have called us to walk out. And Lord, be the men and the women uh, that you have called us to be. And Lord, now we come to you and we, we, we ask you that our focus would be upon you and you alone uh, this morning. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we look at this, here it is. Paul is in Athens at this point, as we find there in the book of Acts. And so Paul's in Athens, and Paul had been driven out of town. As in Paul has been driven out of town, he'd been driven all the way out of Macedonia. Uh, there, these evil folks, they came, they, they, they just chased them completely out. Couldn't go back over to Thessalonica. Couldn't even go back into Macedonia uh, because of the persecution that was there. And so he was concerned about the church 
there in Thessalonica. He was gravely concerned about them because as we recognize this, they were all new believers. Every one of them. They were all new believers. He was only allowed to be there for three Sabbaths, which really equated to two weeks uh, that he was there and preaching the gospel to them. So he didn't really have a whole lot of time to invest in them and spend that quality time with them. And oh, how his heart uh, was so vitally concerned over them and he wanted to go back and he wanted to continue to teach them and invest in them but he couldn't but here we find again Paul's heart now Paul had already expressed his heart he expressed in chapter 1 the thanksgiving he also expressed uh, his, his willingness to suffer uh, in regards to the church it was okay with him if he had to suffer for the church as long as they received the gospel and as long as they continued to thrive as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ he, he, he talked about his integrity of how he walked before the church and he did this for their benefit and so that they can learn how to walk themselves and he does he also shared with them uh, his desire to come and see them again but yet he was prevented uh, thus far but what we find here as well we find in in chapter two we find that he also greatly expressed his love for the church the apostle paul loved the church he loved not just the church of thessalonica he loved the church period amen he loved the church as a whole and certainly loved the church of Thessalonica as he expressed that he wanted to be with them. He says in chapter 2 of verse 8, he says, having so fond and an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. And so we had this fond affection for you and you were very dear to us. And so we wanted to impart to you the gospel and our entire lives, he says, right there and also in verse 20 uh, we find in chapter 2 he says this he says for you are our glory and our joy who's he talking to he's talking to the church he's talking to the church of Thessalonica you are our glory and our joy and you know when we begin to look at that begin to understand we need to also look at the church as our glory and as our joy amen and and we need to have so fond of affection and and so uh, much of a concern for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that it even outweighs uh, the concern that we have even for our own selves. And so as we look at this and recognize that was the heart of the Apostle Paul, very clearly we find here that the Apostle Paul had a pastor's heart. Amen. And so with this pastor's heart, he wanted to go back to them and he wanted to continue to minister to them. But as we look here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, he, there again he was stuck in Athens and as he was stuck in Athens he couldn't get back to where they were so what did he do he said therefore in verse 1 chapter 3 he says therefore when we, endure, we, we could endure it no longer we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone and so what's interesting twice he says when we can endure it no longer uh, he says it again in verse 5 he says for this reason when I can endure it 
no longer. So two times within this text of Scripture, he said we couldn't take it anymore, right? Uh, it's like when you're separated from your loved one and you're longing to see your loved one and you're, you know, you, you heard those expressions, I'll, I'll be uh, willing to walk across the ocean for you or climb to the highest mountaintop or, you know, fly 30, mile, uh, 30 hours to get home or do, do whatever you have to do to, uh, uh, to get back there with your loved ones and get back there to where uh, your heart is to be with them and nothing is going to stop you. And so that's what he's saying right here. He said we can endure it no longer. We just had to know what was going on in the life of the church of Thessalonica. Now, Paul's saying, I couldn't go, but what did I do? He sent his team to go and check with them. He sent Timothy to go and check with them when he could endure it no longer. We thought it best to be, uh, I thought it best to be left alone at Athens. Paul's saying right here, see, he's sending his ministry team uh, uh, on where he's going to be left alone doing all of the work, all of the ministry, all of the activities of the ministry. He's going to be left there in Athens all alone, doing it all by himself, which is going to cause him a great deal of hardship, going to cause him a great deal of difficulty. But you know what? He said it's okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what causes me hardship. It doesn't matter what causes me difficulty. It doesn't matter if I'm going to have to put myself out, if I'm going to have to walk a little bit of the extra mile or do a little bit of the extra work. It really doesn't matter of the hardship that I have to face because I love you. I am willing to sacrifice myself for you. And I want you to understand love always leads to sacrifice. Amen? Love always leads to sacrifice. Parents constantly sacrificing themselves for their, for their children. And husbands and wives constantly sacrificing themselves for the other spouse. And children sacrificing themselves uh, on behalf of their parents. And, and they think nothing of it because of their love and their affection that they have towards one another. Well, friends, we need to have that type of love and that type of affection for the church as well to where we're willing to put ourselves out that extra mile to where it's going to cost us, not if it's going to cost us something. No, it's going to cost us something. Amen? It's going to cost us something. It's going to cost our time. It's going to cost our effort. It's going to cost our energy. It's going to cost our expenses. It's going to, going to cost all kinds of things. But if we truly love the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're going to say, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. Amen? I'm willing to do it because of the love and the affection that I have towards the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, Brother Aaron, in his Sunday school uh, class earlier, he read out of uh, first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about the last days and the last days perilous times are going to come. And I have no doubt about it, we're living in those last days because as we look at society today, we look at where we are in society today, I believe it perfectly perfectly matches and lines up with what is being said about how society is going to look in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And one of those things is the Word of God tells us right there in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that men will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Amen? 
Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, I'm not talking about taking a vacation every now and then or going on a trip every now and then or, you know, missing, uh, missing church, uh, you know, once in a while because you, you, you're taking your family out or, or, or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about getting legalistic in the matter, but I'm talking about just, just you know, always constantly pursuing the pleasures of life and never having any time for the things of God. Amen? I get amused by parents, for instance. I mean, let me just use parents for an example. I get amused by parents that say, oh, there's no possible way we're going to get our children up to get them to Sunday school at 9 o'clock in the morning. There's just no possible way. But let me tell you about a 25-degree day at where it's going to be about 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock in the morning, and it might even be sleeting out there, might even be snowing out there, but there's a ball game. You better believe they're not going to miss it. Amen? Oh no, we can get out there for that. But we're not going to get to this nice and heated and warm or nice and cooled off Sunday school class. No. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Parents teaching the children that the things of this world are more important than the things of God and wonder why their children have absolutely nothing to do with the things of God when they grow up. Because they showed them what their priorities are and their children's priorities are going to be even more against the things of God. And so when we look at this, here the Apostle Paul said, no, I'm willing to put myself out. I'm willing to go that extra mile. And friends, that's what we need within our churches is we need men and women of God that's willing to say, you know what, it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me my time. It's going to cost me my energy. It's going to cost me whatever it's going to cost me, but I'm willing because of the love and the affection that I have for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am more than willing. I'm willing to do that because I know that there's great need and great work that needs to be done. And remember again, let's keep this in the context that he's talking about a church and he's talking to a church. It's all new believers. <laughs> Amen? It's all new believers. And so what does the Bible t- say, tell us about new believers? The Bible tells us that new believers are babes in Christ. Now folks, I've, been, I've met folks that have been sitting in church, church houses for years, for decades. For a long time, that are still babes in Christ. Amen? But when we look at those new believers, they're babes in Christ. And so what can a baby do for themselves? A baby can't do anything for themselves. Amen? Baby can't even feed themselves. Left alone, they're going to utterly perish. Left alone, they're not going to be able to do a single thing for themselves. They're going to die if they're left out there all by themselves. So they need somebody to come walk alongside them, to come help nourish them, to come help take care of them. We already looked in chapter 2 how the Apostle Paul uh, compared himself to a nursing mother. We already looked in chapter 2 how the Apostle Paul, uh, he called himself a father. And so as we look at that, friends, that's who we need to be as well. Amen? We need to be that as well for the benefit and the well-being, the spiritual well-being, the spiritual health and the spiritual nursing, uh, nurturing of those, especially those babes in Christ, but for all of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to do that. 
And so as he goes on in this, he, he says here, he says here in verse 2, And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to do what? To strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. So what was the purpose here? What was the purpose in, in, in Paul sending Timothy to strengthen and encourage you in your faith? And so, friends, we need some Timothys today within our churches to walk alongside those new believers to strengthen and encourage them in their faith to say, you know what, you're not in this alone. You don't have to go through this all by yourself. You know, you, you, you might be a babe in Christ right now, but as that babe in Christ, I'm going to be that nursing mother to you. I'm going to be that spiritual father to you. And I'm going to walk alongside you. And I'm going to help tend to you. And I'm going to be that 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 Timothy I'm going to be that man of God I'm going to be that woman of God that that walks alongside you for the purpose of strengthening you and encouraging you also in verse 3 not only for the purpose of strengthening and encouraging them in verse 3 he says so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions for you yourself know that I have been destined for this so what, did, what is Paul saying? He said, I already told you that afflictions was coming. Amen? I've already taught you about this. I've already taught you that afflictions are coming, hard times coming, persecutions coming. There's going to be some folks that are going to raise up against you. Why? Because Jesus first taught this. He said, you know, the reason they hate you is because they first hated me. Amen? So it's nothing new here. They hated, they hate you because they hate Jesus. They hated the Apostle Paul. They drove Paul out of town. Paul taught them, guess what? Afflictions are going to come your way. And the afflictions did come their ways. You see there in verse 4, he said, For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer afflictions. And so it came to pass, as you know. I told you this is what was going to happen, and guess what? It did happen, and it happened, but yet you were prepared for it to happen because you've been taught, you've been strengthened, you've been encouraged, you've been taught the truth of the Word of God, and since you've been taught the truth of the Word of God, it didn't catch you off guard. You know, one of the great dangers in this fluffy preaching that we have in our society today, all this sugar-coated preaching that we have in our society today, when afflictions come, people are going to flee because they're not prepared for it. They're not ready for it. Oh, I thought Christianity was all about, you know, being happy, healthy, and wealthy because that's all I've ever been taught. I haven't been taught the truth of the Word of God. I haven't been taught the fullness of the Word of God. But Paul said, I taught you the truth of God's Word, and when it happened, it didn't catch you off guard, didn't knock your feet out from underneath you. So how do we strengthen and encourage through, by teaching the, and preaching the truth of the Word of God? I want you to understand something. Paul is saying here that I want to come to you. I want to do this for you, but I can't come to you and I can't do this for you. Therefore, I sent Timothy to come do this and come minister to you in this way. And sometimes the pastor can't always be the one to do it. And I want you to understand it's not just the pastor's responsibility to preach and teach. Amen? my responsibility as well but friends it's all of our responsibility 
Every single one of our responsibilities. It's not just Brother Aaron's responsibility as a Sunday school teacher to teach God's Word. It's all of our responsibilities. To stand alongside one another and, and, and walk alongside one another to help strengthen and to help encourage and to help lift one, other, one another up and teach them the truth of the Word of God to where when life hits, when reality hits, it's not going to knock their feet out from underneath them. You see, Paul had a fear. And he, and he talked about his fear in verse 4. He says in verse 4, For this reason I can endure it no longer. I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. I was, I was afraid it had already taken place. I left this church that was nothing but new believers there. They didn't have any mature believers there. Every single one of them heard the gospel at the same time. Every single one of them were saved at the same time. He was only able to be there for a couple of weeks. Every single one within the church, they were all new believers. And so as he was driven out of town, fear had struck him that the tempter had come and they had fallen in their faith. That the tempter had come and already knocked their feet out from underneath them. But oh, how joyful he was when he heard that it, that indeed had not taken place. That had not taken place, and not only had it not taken place, but they had grown. And they had matured in their faith. In verse 6 it says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you, he has brought us good news of faith and love that you, that, that you always thinking kindly of us, longing to see us just as we long to see you. So not only was it not the case, but they had grown in their faith. They had matured in their faith. And you see, that is the purpose, is that the babes in Christ don't stay babes in Christ, but they grow and they mature and they become men and women of God. They become mighty men and women of God. And you see what the revolving door of the church or the revolving circle of the church ought to be, what we see far too often. Far too often we see somebody come down this aisle they make a profession of faith at least they said they've made a profession of faith we bring them back there we put them in that baptistry and then they walk down that aisle again and they walk out of those doors and far too many of them we don't ever see again and far too many, they come to church and they're here in church and then all of a sudden the afflictions of life come and when the afflictions of life come, it knocks the feet out from underneath them and as it knocks the feet out from underneath them, they don't have somebody there to help strengthen and encourage them. To help put them back on their feet. To be the men and women that God has called them to be. So Paul is saying, I couldn't be there. I can't be there with you at this particular time. So I'm sending Timothy. So it's not like Paul's just sitting on his hands doing nothing. No, he's back in Athens. First of all, he can't come because if he does come, they're going to kill him. Right? So he can't come. 
He just can't do it, but it's also it's not just sitting around doing nothing. Acts chapter 18, verse 5, he says, But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the Word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. So Paul was continuing to minister. Paul was continuing to work. And God had him right where he wanted him. Amen? God had him right where he wanted him. So Paul couldn't go, therefore he sent Timothy. The question is, how many of us are willing to go to step up to the plate to walk alongside those who are babes in Christ, walk alongside those who are afflicted, those who Satan has come and knocked their feet out from underneath them to help raise them back up and put them on that upright path again? The reality is, it should be every single one of us. Amen? Every single one of us. Now, the majority of that work that takes place doesn't take place. You know, you see what I do up here. You see me teaching. You see me preaching. You see Brother Aaron. You see our other Sunday school teachers. You see our Awana workers. You know, we see all of these things. We see that in a, 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 a physical way. You don't see what's going on behind the scene, but that's, you don't need to know what's going on behind the scene. Amen? That's between those in whom they're ministering to and the individuals that are doing it. And so as God called Timothy to do this particular work, he says again, back up in verse 2, he says, and we sent Timothy, who is Timothy? He says, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. And friends, what we need more desperately today than we need anything else is we need fellow workers in the gospel of Christ. You may not be called to preach. You may not be called to lead uh, worship. You may not be called to go out on a mission field to a foreign country. You may not be called uh, to, uh, to, to be a deacon or to be a Sunday school teacher, but I want to promise you you're called to do something. Amen? Every single one of us are called to do something, and that's something that we all need to be doing, we need to be busy about, is we need to stand alongside fellow believers in Jesus Christ, especially those new believers in Jesus Christ, and also those who are being afflicted. Listen, afflictions can come in all shapes and sizes and all kinds of different forms. Amen? It doesn't have to be a physical affliction, it could be a spiritual affliction. It could be an emotional affliction. It could be a financial affliction. I mean, afflictions come in all kinds of different ways. It could be a marital affliction or their children or causing them to pull their hair out affliction, whatever it is, right? Afflictions come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. Friends, we need to be church. Amen? We need to be church. We need to walk alongside those individuals to strengthen them and to encourage them. As we see here, the very purpose in which Paul and ultimately God sent Timothy out as God's fellow worker in the gospel. Timothy wasn't the pastor, became a pastor later. Timothy wasn't an apostle. 
Timothy wasn't the church planner. He wasn't the one in which they heard preach and then therefore they received the gospel. But he was God's fellow worker. I praise God. We have those here, by the way. We have quite a few. And I praise God for every single one of us. But friends, I want you to understand, it takes a whole church. It takes all of us. You know, you might not be called to work with youth. I understand that. I get that. The pastor search committee a couple years ago when they was talking to me, they asked me several times actually, and I kind of noticed that. Several times they asked me, how, how good are you at working with youth? And I said, not very good. <laughs> I love youth. I love being around youth. And I love working with you. I'm just not any good at it. Amen? Not any good at working with children. Children terrify me. I can go sit in the jail and be perfectly comfortable preaching to prisoners, but children terrify me. Amen? But I'll do it. But God's not called you to do everything, but God's called you to do something. Amen? He's called you to a certain task. He's called you to a certain purpose. And friends, as we look at this, we've got all kinds of opportunities ahead of us. Right here at Mill Creek Baptist Church, we have all kinds of opportunities ahead of us. In fact, you know, when, when a, a, a Brother uh, Kevin preached a couple of weeks ago, or a youth pastor, he preached a couple of weeks ago on graduation Sunday, and he made a comment, and Brother Doug, Sister Diane, you, know, used, to, uh, you, you used to be a youth pastor, and you know, so you've seen this before, and we've all seen it, really, you know, when it comes to, to the youth. We, we, we see that great uh, falling away when it comes to the youth. seems like just as soon as they graduate, so many of them... Uh, hit the door and we don't ever see him again. Brother Kevin talked about that. He, he mentioned that. But you know, there was a study that was done of those who stayed and the question was asked, well, why did they stay? Well, there was a few reasons of why they stayed, but one of the reasons that kind of stuck out in my mind of why they stayed, one of them was that they have parents involved in the church, how important it is to have parents involved in the church, both parents uh, involved in the church, if possible to have both of them involved in the church. And so that was one of the factors. But another one of the factors is this, is that the great majority of those who stuck, the great majority of those who stayed, they had at least five adult relationships with in a spiritual way of five people, five adults within the church that had invested into their lives. And because of those five spiritual relationships, those five fellow workers of God in the gospel that had invested in their lives, they stayed. Because we've got the youth pastor, there's one. Got, got the pastor, he always said he doesn't really, not that good at working with, with youth, but I love youth and I want to invest my life in them as much as I can. As well. There's two. We need three more. And praise God we have folks here that are good with working with our youth. Since Brother Terry, uh, since Terry's not here, I'm, I'm going to talk about him. But he gets for missing today, amen? I'm going to talk about him a few weeks ago. I was sitting there in the, in the gym, back there in the gym, asking uh, Terry. I said, Terry, I said, uh, fixing to graduate, what, what now? What's next? 
What's your plans? And that boy impressed the fool out of me. I mean, he impressed me so much. He said, well, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this. And I mean, he had the whole thing down to a T. And I said, wow, you've got this figured out. And he said, well, that's exactly what Brother Ronnie told me that I needed to do. <laughs> Amen? And I praise God for Brother Ronnie and for Sister Christine for investing their lives into him. And more than you'll ever know in phenomenal ways. Friends, we need that. They need that. Amen? They so desperately need that within their lives. We've got Vacation Bible School coming up uh, really quick. We're going to have a meeting right after service. And friends, we need folks to be here to help out to work during Vacation Bible School. We've got our teachers taken care of. Uh, we've got all of that taken care of. What we need is you know, folks to help walk them around and you know, bring them from place to place. But you know what we need more than anything? We need people that are willing to invest their lives in the lives of these children. Amen? And did you know that VBS was the number one evangelistic tool of Baptist churches and it has been for decades now that we see more people saved during vacation Bible school than we even do during revivals and any other functions. And so they're going to need follow-up. Amen? And continued ministry and continued work. I said a few weeks ago that we're going to start an addiction recovery class and we're going to start that in August. First week of August, we're going to get that addiction recovery class going. Some of you have already said that you want to be a part of that. You want to be a helper in that. And so that is so vitally important. We're going to start meeting as the workers, as the leaders. We're going to start meeting in, in July and we can never have enough workers as far as that's concerned. So I don't know anything about addiction. It doesn't matter. They just need somebody to love on them and to encourage them and to be there for them amen that's what they need I want to be starting back in August. We're also going to have September the 11th. Uh, we're going to have a back to church Sunday. We're going to have a big push to get folks in Sunday school. Even if it is 9 o'clock in the morning, amen, we'll have the heaters on and we'll have, or the air conditioner on in September. Who knows what we're going to have on uh, in September. So we'll have something on and we want them here. We're going to have a big push to get them here, but we're going to need Sunday school teachers for the children. We're going to need nursery workers for the children, and we need those right now. We're going to need children's church workers, and we need more even right now something I'm very excited about George talking with us a couple of weeks ago about a month ago or so George China said he loved Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flat absolutely loved it she loved seeing people get saved, and she loved seeing the unity that it brought about in the church. And he had some funds left that were hers. He gave that to the church for us to have Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Some of you don't know what Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames are as of yet, but You'll find out <laughs> it's an awesome event. Well, the money's there. 
You got it. Praise God for that. A great testimony of life that's continuing to be lived and it's going to continue to have impact. Amen? It takes 30 to 50 people to do a heaven's gates and hell's flames. We need everybody. But you have the preparation ahead of time. You have the promotion ahead of time. We're expecting to see a whole bunch of people get saved, and guess what? We're going to need to follow up on every single one of them. So what's the point in having a heaven's gates and hell's flames and having a hoorah time and then dropping off those infants at the front door, those babes in Christ at the front door, and not following up with them and continuing to minister to them? It'll take the whole church. Amen? Every single time someone gets saved is our opportunity to invest in the life of a newborn babe. It takes five spiritual adult relationships to retain Youth. Let's say it takes five to retain an adult. I don't know. I don't guess they do statistics on that or studies on that. Let's say let's invest as many lives within them as we possibly can. Let's not limit it in any way, shape, or form and just pour ourselves into them and be God's fellow workmen for the gospel to strengthen and encourage them and teach them the Word of God to where they could be strong men and women of God to where they one day will rise up to the occasion and they will be God's fellow workmen and they will work with that next batch of new believers, those newborn babes that come in where they will grow and will continue that cycle and continue that cycle and continue that cycle because that's God's way. Amen? Right now, as Brother Doug, Sister Diane, and Brother Derwin come up, I'm going to get everybody to stand, if you will. Everybody here this morning, if you know the mandate, this, this, this is biblical discipleship right here. Biblical discipleship of God's way of doing things. Maybe you're not willing to grab a hold of a youth and mentor to a youth, but you see an adult lady that you're a lady, you can mentor that lady, or you're you're a man, you see an adult man that you could detach yourself to him and minister to him. I remember there was a deacon. One of the churches I served, and any time a new family would come in, not everybody's able to do this, but he would do it. Every time a new family would come in, he would say, let me take you out to lunch today. If not today, maybe another day. I can't tell you how greatly God used 
that man. He's in heaven now and he's seeing a lot of the result of his fruit. Some of that fruit hadn't made it there yet. Amen? But we'll all be there one day. What are you doing? How are you serving? God's called us all. We need to all be busy about the business. Not all of us are physically able to do it. You can be a prayer warrior. You can be a text message warrior or a phone call warrior or something like that. Amen? We're not short on ways to communicate these days, are we? We could do it. God's placing somebody on your heart. Say, this is the person I need to attach myself to. Would you right here, right now, this morning, start praying for them? And then pray for yourself and ask God to show you how you can minister to them. I find the best method is just start doing it. God will show you along the path. (laughs) Amen? One last thing. If you don't know that you know that you know that you're saved this morning, would you come this morning and give your life to Jesus Christ? You come as God so leads.